Thank you to Malachi. Thanks uh, for that great word. And Jen, I mean, these testimonies are just so encouraging, uh, I hope to you, certainly to me, just hearing the way God is working in uh, different people's lives. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me very grateful to be part of an organization, uh, that, uh, part of an intergenerational team and family um, that's committed, as Jen said, to preaching the gospel uh, for us with PCF here at Princeton, uh, but teaching the scriptures, strengthening young followers of Jesus to go forth to serve him faithfully uh, wherever he sends them in the world and whatever he asks them to do for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, so these these stories are just deeply encouraging, and and that that is the power of testimony, right? And that's a great theme uh, for us who are gathered here tonight. Uh, how how God uh, is always accomplishing His continuing work on earth through His servants, through ordinary people like you and and me. I'm, I'm reading right now an excellent little book uh, uh, by uh, an Australian, uh, Doubter's Guide to Jesus uh, by John Dixon. Um, and it's a very fresh uh, take on uh, who is Jesus. Uh, uh, it's a good giveaway, I think, for those who might be interested. But at one point in the book, he calls attention to Jesus' uh, words uh, where Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And this story is familiar, I think, to you and to me, but those who heard those words were confused, right? Because the occasion was Jesus' cleansing of the temple. And so they very naturally assumed that Jesus, when he said that, that he was talking about the, uh, the Jerusalem temple, a massive structure, uh, the focal point of Jewish worship uh, for the Jews, the temple was uh, was a uniquely significant place associated with the very uh, presence of God. And all the more striking that in these words, Jesus identifies himself as uh, a temple. Destroy this temple, he says, referring to his own body. And further, you know, Jesus makes this association uh, elsewhere. He says, for example, that something greater, he says, than the temple is here, uh, again, referring to himself. Jesus being present uh, on earth meant that God was present in the midst of those people. As the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And so what the scripture is pointing us to, what Jesus is drawing our attention to, is that, and, uh, and, and, and here I'm uh, quoting uh, Dixon, he says, the presence of God that human beings so longed for was to be found through a personal connection with Christ, not in a building, in East Jerusalem. Jesus is where we meet God. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Jesus replaces the temple. He fulfills what the temple represented. 
It's through Jesus that we experience the forgiveness of our sins. It is in the name of Jesus that we draw boldly into God's presence as beloved children. Jesus is God with us, right? And to know him is to know God. All, all of which, as thinking about this, makes it so remarkable and so humbling that scripture tells us that the place where God manifests his presence in a particular way in the world today is in us, in you and me, in his people. Not only does scripture teach us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, but scripture also teaches us that the church, which is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, that has a cornerstone that is nothing less than Christ Jesus himself, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, is growing what? Into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, Paul says, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church not a building, the church, the people of God, people like you and me, is where God uniquely manifests his reality and his presence on earth. Jesus is where we meet God, and the church, God's people, is where people meet Jesus. You and I are where people meet Jesus. And that's awesome to me and frightening for people to meet Jesus in and through us. We need to resemble him. We need to look like him. We need to represent him faithfully. How are we doing with that? Are, are we loving as he loved? Are we a friend to sinners as he was a friend to sinners? Are we people of compassion and grace as he was a person of compassion and grace? And, and are we people of justice and of mercy? Do we manifest Christ in both our words and our actions? Many of you will have heard that Tim Keller uh, died today. He has gone uh, home to be with his savior. Uh, he was a great example for me personally and, and for so many. And I was reading some of the comments about his faithfulness today. And one writer said this of him, Tim not only made the most articulate arguments for the Christian faith, he also demonstrated our faith with his humble and gracious spirit and his relentless passion to see the lost come to know the Lord he so loved. He represented Jesus well. He resembled Jesus well, and God used him. And I wonder, and I worry about us, are we so busy? Are we so distracted? Are we so anxious and agitated and maybe even angry that we are not spending time with Jesus? Are we so busy and anxious that we don't make time to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching? Because it's in being with him that we become like him. And the more we are like him, the better we will represent him to a watching world. And that is our calling. As the Father sent me, said Jesus, so send I you. 
God wants many more people to meet Jesus, and he's asking us to make the introduction. The church, God's people, that's how people will come to know Jesus. You represent him. I represent him to, our, to your family, to your children. You represent Jesus to your neighbors in the place where you work. Your church represents Jesus in your community. When people see us, what do they see? Do they see Jesus? Do they come to know Jesus? May it be so. May it be so. Amen.